Okay, welcome to another edition of the Edlow Podcast. I am your host, Josh Edlow, as always. I'm supposed to tell you to subscribe. That's what all the podcasters tell me is the hip thing to do. So subscribe to the podcast. I am very, very excited about this one. Uh, In wrestling, we call it mark out moments, and I am certainly marking out right now because I get an opportunity to talk about a talk to one of my all-time favorites. I am here with Abdullah the Butcher. Mr. Butcher, Abdullah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the podcast and indulging me. This is a really exciting one for me. I remember watching. I'm glad to be on it. Yeah, well, thank you. And and I remember watching you come out. You it was it was probably an old I don't know if it's NWA at that time or WCW it was Jim Crockett era. And boy, you came out uh, and you were a sight to be seen. I mean, 500 pounds, you were not easily moved. You came out with a fork. You were bleeding all the time. You were one of the first hardcore wrestlers. Thank you. And so uh, I had your action figure, which was really hard to find because you weren't a WWF guy. And, right. and here in California, where I was, those those things were fine. There was you and Carlos Colon. I remember I got them both. Right. And so, um, so thank you for coming on and what i want to do first is ask you thanks for uh, having me. yeah absolutely tell me where does wrestling start for abdullah the butcher where, where were you and how did it come about well number one i was uh, at the windsor arena in um windsor ontario and it was uh the guy who used to be in charge of the arena was cito martinello and uh, I used to go down there and I used to do karate and stuff like that. And um, um, he said, Abdullah, uh, no, he said, Larry, I never had no wrestling name there. He said, Larry says, um, I'm going to introduce you to Jack Britton, who's the promoter for the midgets. And he's got a, a place over in, in Detroit, Michigan. And so he introduced them to me and uh, Jack Britton came in, 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 the, in the, into the arena and he says um walked over to me and says hey like i hear that you're uh, such and such how would you like to be a wrestler i said well you know i wasn't quite sure and he says um what i'm gonna do i'm gonna come tomorrow and he had a um a big long cadillac he says i'm, I'm gonna come tomorrow and take you to detroit michigan because that's where his office is at and in his office he had a partner named um uh, I can't think of the guy's name, Bert Ruby. That was his partner. And so uh, the next day, he came, he picked me up, took me over to Detroit, and we went, we went up the stairs, and that, that's where he had his office. Right across the street, there was a um, place where they made Verners, like Verners, you know, drink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, that was on Woodward Avenue. So I got up there. And he asked me to work uh, uh, to get in the ring with this guy. So I got in the ring with this guy. His name was, uh, I can't think of his name, but he is supposed to have been uh, 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 whatever. So he said, do something. So I got into the ring and I started going, ah, ah, like that. <laughs> and like he was watching me. And I was doing my karate, yeah, yeah, like that. And I'd be giving him that the head, but I started biting him and stuff like that. And, um, Bert Ruby 
said to Jack Baker, to, to Jack Britton, he's a natural. Yeah. That's what he said, he's a natural, right? Yeah. So anyways, they asked me, where did you learn this from? I said, well, I used to go to the movies. I used to watch Tarzan, right? Right, right. And uh, I said, I used to watch uh, of the of the Africans, you know, doing the yoga, blah, 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 and stuff like that. And I learned from them, like, biting and doing all this stuff. Then I used to watch, like, the Indians, you know, uh, fighting and stuff like that. I learned from the movies. Yeah. And I learned everything. Then I learned how to how to really make the Rossman business because the business was just Rossman. They grab a hole and stuff like that. So sure. my thing was, well, let me do something. So I used to beat my head up against the post hmm. like that. I, I would uh, take a, a, a stick or a, a if somebody threw something at me, I'd grab it and start beating them in the head, and the people go crazy. <laughs> right. So they wanted, they wanted something different. Yeah. And that's what I done. I changed yeah. everything around. Yeah. Everything. Well, that, well, that's what's so cool about you is you, you were the first one. I remember the first time I saw you bring that fork into the ring and start stabbing people with a fork. <laughs> and I was, I was just, uh, I'd never seen anything like it. I was like, oh my goodness, and. You're really the precursor. There you go. Exactly. You're you're the precursor to guys like Cactus Jack and and Terry Funk and all these guys who started getting ECW. I mean, you were kind of the guy. Where did the fork come from? Let me say something. Yeah. I had a manager named Honest John, right? Mm -hmm. When I say honest, he was honest, but he is mm -hmm. a thing. And um he threw a fork into the ring. No, somebody threw the fork into the ring and he grabbed it and handed it to me. I started using it, the people went crazy, hmm. right? Then I started doing everything with the fork. If the people threw in a, 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 a cup, if they threw in a, a glass, whatever they threw in, I'd pick it up and use it. You understand? Hmm. Mm -hmm. And one time I was in, I was in Boston and uh, I was, um, Rossman, and I got carried. I got carried away. I, I was beating on the guy. The guy was up there screaming and hollering, and the police came and took me out. Boston, <laughs> they took me out like that. So I was going, "Yeah, I'm a cheer. Yeah, I the moment I was hollering, "Yeah, I'm a fee," like that. And they asked me, <laughs> um, um, Rod Fenton who was uh, doing uh, uh, Boston, he said to me, what are you saying? I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making all this stuff up, but the people are eating it up. They love it. You understand? Yeah. yeah. And one time I took my little carpet and I put it on, uh, on in the ring and I started praying. And some guy mm. hollered out, you're praying the wrong way. Go to the other side. <laughs> I mean, so there was everything. I changed the Rassman. Mm -hmm. One time, uh, if you don't mind me saying this, Gordon Soley, for instance, mm -hmm. I was on the TV and I came up with a, uh, a raw fish. I bought a whole fish on the thing. And I was in there. 
And uh, Gordon Soli says, damn, Abdullah. I knew she could have bought a right one in there instead of a right Right? <laughs> and then one time he was uh, he was reading uh, reading the, his uh, schedule, what was going on. And I grabbed the this, this schedule out of his hand and I started eating it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. He said, I only got one, one thing. I used to do all that crazy stuff on the, on the TV. I'd beat my head up against the thing. I'd grab a, a garbage can, beat my head. I, anything where the people would eat it up. Then the mm -hmm. people would say, that is real wrestling. <laughs> and the people believed it and stuff like yeah. that. Right. So Wait, was there, was there uh were there any influences to what you were doing? Did you see someone else doing this and go, that's my, that is kind of the, the style I want to have? Or did you just come up with it all on your own? I changed everything. Mm -hmm. I changed. Who else had a fork? Yeah, nobody. Who, I, I never seen it. That's right. Who yeah. else had a, who else had, a, what do you call it? Um, uh, a fork or a, a bottle. I'd break mm -hmm. the bottle and say, yee, yee. Right, mm -hmm. and the people mm -hmm. would eat it up. I took mm -hmm. anything that they threw into the ring. That's what I used. You understand? Yeah. So you're, you know, I, you're. I have some experience in wrestling. Obviously, I didn't. I didn't do what you do. I, I do some independent wrestling here and there. And and I can't uh, hear you. I said I do. I do a little bit of independent wrestling. So I, I'm a little familiar with what you do. Not obviously on the same scale as you, but. There are some guys out there when they you see their name on on the uh, uh, the schedule when you're looking down and you go okay match this one I'm working this guy you're like okay this is going to be easy this is going to be a night off were you the guy when they saw oh man I got Abdullah were they like oh man this is going to be I'm going to be in for a ride or did you think the guys were liked working you what, what did you think number one. I would go to the guy and say, I have to go go over on you. I have to kill you. <laughs> I got to do everything to get over. You understand? Uh -huh, if uh -huh. you don't want to do it, tell me, and I'll go tell the promoter, and we'll get somebody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but right. a lot of them would say, oh, no, 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 no. We'll do it, but just let me, let me do a little something. Right. You yeah. understand? But... Uh -huh. The average job man, a job man is a guy who does it, does the job. Sure. They could beat half of the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because they were putting you over, they could fight too. But yeah. they were Yeah. They they wanted to be a wrestler and be on TV. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is that um it's it's interesting when you're a big guy like I mean, you were big. How tall are you? Six. Six foot. So you're six yeah. foot, 500 pounds. That's how you're built. I mean, when you're that big, you can't really be giving them much, you know, because you can't be giving your job guy much because you, you got to, you know, it wouldn't look believable. You have to just but murder just, the guy. But he just wanted to have something like where he tried to fight me. He tried to beat me up. Sure. sure. I mean, sometimes you would eat a guy up. You understand? Then you say, okay, come back on me. Come back on me. Mm -hmm. Make your little comeback, then I would, then I would kill him. Right, right. See? Uh -huh. So, um, this business—it's like when people ask me uh, about wrestling. I says, I am an entertainer. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I used to say, you have what? You, when you go to a circus, you want to see the big fat guys. Mm-hmm. You want to see the clowns. You want to see everything, right? Sure, sure. And that's what wrestling really is. See? Yeah. But now you have guys who are, are what? They're all muscle guys. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Like, you, you had guys like Calhoun. You know, mm-hmm. Tex McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Larry Moe. All these guys. Uh, Fred Curry. You remember mm-hmm. Fred Curry? I don't. I don't remember him. I remember Haystacks Calhoun. I don't remember that. Yeah, well, you see, all these guys you had, they were wrestlers. A lot of guys who go out there, and um, one time, Jim Barnett said to me, Abdullah, what's wrong with the, the, the people? I said, Jim, let me tell you something. Go sit by the ring. When one guy throws a drop kick, the people go, ooh. When the second guy comes out to uh, the wrestle, he's going to try to do the same thing. Mm. And the people go, oh. Mm. Everybody mm. tries to copy everybody. You understand? Mm. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of um, um, Ricky Cortez? That sounds familiar, yeah. Now, Ricky Cortez was a big Mexican guy. When I say big, he was big. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got up there and he said to me, Abdullah, listen, I'm bigger than you and I look like this. Now, let's go there and have a match. I said, no problem. You see? <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. it's it's what you make out of the wrestling. Mm-hmm. You can take anybody and... Uh, wrestle them and grab a hold but the people want violence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, today that's mm -hmm. all they want is violence everything that goes on is violence yeah yeah well real quick before we go on because i think one of the things that we talked about when we when we set this up was that your you have a gofundme going out there i'm going to put it out there right now yes sir uh abdullah has been uh, dealing with some legal issues and we've we've talked a little bit about them off air we won't go into what they are but he has a couple of legal issues stemming from a number of things that have gone on in his life but but one of the things that's that's difficult and i know this as an attorney is when you have someone like uh and we, we can talk about this a little bit uh abdullah you you you, you don't know you 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 can't read or write. Uh, you 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 did your traditional education up until about second or third grade. After which you went to some special education schools and a, and a trade school to learn cabinetry work, but ultimately dropped out. And that's where you found wrestling and, and created an amazing career for yourself. But because of of uh, some of these issues, we there's a GoFundMe out there to help him with some of his legal expenses, which has done some uh, so has helped some. So occasionally, as we're going through this, we're gonna we're gonna flash the the GoFundMe uh, site on the um, on the page, so that, and we'll put it in the description as well. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're not watching the video, so that that way you can help contribute because he definitely needs the help. But like I said, we're not gonna go into what those legal issues are because that's not what this podcast is about. But it's definitely something that we that we wanted to make sure everybody knows about. Thank you, Bert. Um, yeah, abs- absolutely. So let me ask you too, uh, going back to the wrestling, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about you, and I think this is important, is that uh, you were a special attraction. 
you, you didn't you didn't stay in a certain area or on a certain TV show or certain territory too long. So when you showed up, I mean, the wrestling people now, they don't understand what it was like when we were kids. There was not three hours of Raw and two hours of SmackDown every right. single week. You watched, you had an hour of superstars and you had an hour of Saturday night, uh, Saturday, uh, the Saturday show uh, for WCW where it was guys like you killing local talent, you know, jobbers to promote the, the shows. Right. And uh, so when you came on, it was exciting. Did you, was it a conscious effort for you to be kind of a journeyman in that way and a special attraction as opposed to staying in one space? Say that again, please. Yeah, was it was it kind of something you thought about yourself? Like, were you, did you purposely kind of jump around or was that just kind of the way your character worked well, my thing was this. Anytime who, who, who was ever on top, I made sure that I made got more heat mm-hmm. that I would be on top the next time when I came back. Sure. That was my sure. thing. My thing uh-huh. was, if you're on top, Hogan was in Japan, and when we tore the house down, me and Hogan, right? Mm-hmm, Hogan mm-hmm. said to me, and when we we're in Japan, me and Hogan sold on every place. He said, Abdullah, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to Vince McMahon, uh, and I'm going to try to bring you in just to wrestle me, right? Yeah, right. He went back and talked to him, blah, 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 whatever, and they says, oh, you know, he's going to do this, he's going to do this, and stuff like that, and they never bought me in. Man. That would have been awesome because you would have been so good in that. There was that era where Hogan, it was like every wrestler he wrestled was bigger. It started with like Big John Studd and then King Kong Bundy, finally Andre the Giant. You would yes. have been perfect right in there. If he worked in that body slam, right. uh, it would have been a lot of fun. But you worked Hogan in Japan. I worked with him in Japan and sold everything out. Every building was sold out. Wow. The big buildings. I'm talking about the big buildings. Where was this? Do you know where this was in Hogan's era in Hulkamania? I mean, was this before he was the WWF champion, or was this while he was WWF champion? Well, like he was, uh, he was wrestling like in uh, in uh, New York. Okay, so he was he was working for for Vince Jr. Then. Yeah, um, but the main see, but the main part about it, me and Andre the Giant went into Puerto Rico. Mm. And sold it out. Mm. Well, yeah, no, but that's that's interesting. So you you've were you worked a, sh- a program with Hogan in Japan and Andre the Giant in Puerto Rico. Yes, Andre the Giant in the, wow. in, in in Puerto Rico. Wow, and, uh, we sold out. Uh, you do, do you have any idea how much I I would love to see those matches? I don't know if they're on YouTube or anything. I just those are matches that I would have loved to have seen you in. Because all the matches I saw you in, you know, you were kind of in matches with guys like Cactus Jack and Bruiser Brody. And great wrestler. Like Bruiser Brody was a great wrestler. And uh, I feel so. I wish if he was here, me and Brody would probably have a territory. You understand? <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Uh-huh. Because yeah. uh, Cactus Jack was a hell of a, a, a wrestler. Mm-hmm. He could do anything. He'd go to the top, uh, top of the stairs and roll all the way down, mm-hmm. and you'd think that he was dead. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. But guys like him, guys like Terry Funk, 
guys like Dory Funk, you understand? Mm -hmm. These guys were professional wrestlers. They knew how to get it on. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see Terry Funk bleeding from the arm. You see him bleeding from the leg. You see him bleeding from the air. Mm -hmm. Who could really touch Terry Funk? Oh, nobody. See? He's, he was one of the greatest of all time. He was, he was a great, great wrestler, and he knew what the people wanted. He knew mm -hmm. what they wanted. Yeah, yeah. You see? And every, yeah. Time, every time we went to Tokyo, we sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. Yeah. See? So, so um, did you have kind of like a favorite opponent, a guy that you just, you always loved working? Well, I'm not going to say that, but the main part about it, every guy that I work with, we drew money together. Yeah. Because they knew, they knew what I wanted, and they knew that let's let's build this house so we mm -hmm. could bring it back. Sure. You see. Sure. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Did Did you have uh, anybody that you thought? Uh, well, who did some of these guys? They always talk about their favorite travel companions. Did you always travel on your own, or did you have somebody that was kind of a friend that you used to travel with all the time? Well, I had to have somebody to drive me around mm -hmm. because I could not read the uh, the signs. Mm -hmm. And I and I always told the the, the the promoters that I do not have. You understand? Mm -hmm. A license. So you got to make sure that the guys drive me around to, uh, you know, certain to, like, to the arenas or whatever, wherever I'm going. Sure. But that was it. Mm, okay. Was there anyone in particular that you always like you wanted to have with you the most, I, like you enjoyed working with? I love to have Cactus Jack uh -huh. because Cactus Jack did not do that freaky stuff like smoking and drugs and stuff like that. Sure. He's a clear guy, and I like Cactus Jack. One day we were driving down the highway, and uh, he had a, a like a convertible, a mm -hmm. little convertible, and me and him was sitting in it. And I said, "Cactus Jack, please put up the top." <laughs> he said, "He said it won't, he said, it won't go up." <laughs> and this was it was cold. When I say uh -huh. cold, it was cold. Sure. And the rain was coming down, and every time that the um, that the truck drivers drove by us, they went, <laughs> they said, "Look at those crazy idiots down there." Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. But yeah, have you ever heard of Maurice Bashan? No, I don't think I have. Maurice Bashan was short, okay, but he was tough. Hmm. Nobody could beat him. He was mm. from Montreal, mm. Maurice Bichon. Mm. You remember that name? I he will. Was a tough wrestler. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna look him up as soon as we're done here. Please yeah. do that. And yeah. uh, Johnny Rougeau came to me and said, um, uh, "Came to Marie, Maurice. Would you do me a favor? Would you get him over?" Mm. And I. Uh, Maurice said, yeah, there's no problem. Mm -hmm. He called me to the side, kid. Mm -hmm. He says, when the time's right, I'll do this to you. You do this. You give me that. Mm -hmm. 
and hit me with the elbow, but don't, when you hit me with the elbow, one, two, three, don't come back and start stomping on me the way you stomp on the other guys. <laughs> I said, Maurice, no problem. Yeah. But Maurice was a tough, tough wrestler. Yeah. Could shoot yeah. with anybody. Hmm. And nobody yeah. messed with him. Nobody. Hmm. What he said goes. Hmm. Did you ever have a chance to work Ric Flair? Ric Flair? It's a, it's uh Ric Flair. It's a long story. Okay. But Ric Flair in, in my opinion is a a good a good wrestler, you understand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, he does a lot of good stuff, but he's, yeah. he's a great wrestler. Yeah. But you never you guys never worked together in, in the ring? You guys never had matches? Together? No. No. Uh, okay. Is there some, was there some sort of uh, heat there, or did he not think that did it just not work between the two of you the way you guys is? Well, um, I'm not going to say that um, he had his different style and I had my different style. Mm. You understand? Yeah. We made a lot of money together. You understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But nobody booked it. Nobody ever booked that match. Mm. Mm -hmm. I've wrestled uh, um, Jack Briscoe. In yeah. Australia, yeah, we tore the matches down, yeah. and he was the champion at that time. Right. I wrestled with Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. How did that go? How oh, did those great, matches go? Great. Dusty Rhodes was. Dusty Rhodes was a good promoter. Mm -hmm. I mean, a good promoter, and he could really wrestle, and he's the one who called called the shots. Mm -hmm. But the main part about it, uh. Dusty Rhodes made a matchup with me and um, uh, one of the brothers. I can't think of his name. Anyways, it, it was the it was the the electric chair match. Have you ever seen that? You mean you mean the uh, the Chamber of Horrors thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that. I remember yeah. that match. So what Same. happened? Me and Cactus Jack, right? Cactus Jack was supposed to be like as soon as I get the I can't think of the guy's name, but I'd have him like this here. I'm getting ready to put him into the. It was, it was Rick Steiner, right? The Steiner yeah, brothers. Rick yeah, I was getting ready to put him into the electric chair, right? Yeah. I looked at uh, Cactus Jack, and the guy switched me around real fast. Cactus Jack pushed the button, and my hands went choop, choop, right? Right. And and, and I'm up there. Burning, I supposed to be burning. Bad, 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 sure. Fires coming off, stuff like that. But Dusty Rhodes figured this is the way we can beat Abdul the Butcher, and he won't know it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he won't right. know it, right? Yeah. So, right. anyways, now here comes. I think there's about twelve guys in white uniforms coming down to carry me out, right? Right. right. So when they came to. to Open the door. I kicked the door open and started beating them. Bam, 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 boom. <laughs> I'm knocking them on the floor, doing this here like that, doing something. And uh, <laughs> all the guy says, that made him 20 times stronger because he beat 12 guys, threw them all over the outside the ring, outside here, and stuff like that. And um, Stu, I mean, what's his name? Um, 
by Burt Ruby, not Burt Ruby. Um, well, anyways, the, the promoter says, he's too sharp for you. Yeah. <laughs> you thought that you were going to have these guys carry him out, right? Yeah. But it yeah. never happened. Yeah. When you, when you heard about that Chamber of, of Horrors match, uh, were you, when, when they told you the concept, how did you feel about it? Were you like, oh, yeah, I'll do it? Or were you kind of like, this is kind of silly? Or how did you feel about that? No, it was something different. Yeah. And, and I said, um, I knew what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. they couldn't get me on the ground one, two, or three. Sure. You see? Sure. So this way they figured, oh, if we t- t- change it around and they put him in, in, in the in the electric chair, the people go crazy. Sure, sure. And when I was up there burning, like shaking, yeah. it's just, ah. Then when I seen the guys, but they didn't tell me the guys in the white coats were coming. Right. So I waited for them. Right. When they opened up that damn door, <laughs> I went on them. Bam, 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 threw them out and shit like, and that was it. Yeah. What did Dusty say when you got to the back? Did he huh? say anything to you? Did Dusty Rhodes say anything to you? Dusty says, listen, my brother, that was a hell of a match, brother. We did it again. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. But his brother, I mean, but his son is good too. Oh, yeah. 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 Both of them, Dustin and Cody are both amazing. Dustin, yes, they're good. Really good. Yeah. yeah I just, uh, I took my, my kids down to see WrestleMania to watch Cody Rhodes wrestle Roman Reigns. And boy, they, they put on a clinic. It was great. Oh they yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they're they're good workers. He's, he's doing he's doing the stuff like his uh what is what his uh his father done. Yeah. He's got yeah. the same routine, the same ideals, same everything. Yeah. One thing I think that's really impressive about Cody is that he's one of the guys, you know, nowadays it's really hard to kind of do what you did and, and what you what I mean by that is you know, if, if a territory was was not booking you the way you wanted, you went somewhere else, you know, and that's hard to do because there's not a lot of places to go. But Cody Rhodes did. He left and he and he forged his own way and came back stronger. And it seems like that's something that you you did yourself, too. Did, but, the, um, but the main part about it, if. If Dustin, you understand, mm-hmm. had the right people, mm-hmm. he could pack everything. Yeah. He could pack everything. Yeah. Even even if I wrestled you, mm-hmm. I could make you a superstar just by letting you do a certain things. You understand? Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You could make anybody if you want to make them. Who mm. was there? Was there anyone that you feel responsible for making? Like, was there anyone that they asked, "Hey, Abdullah, I want you to to make this guy a superstar"? Was there anyone in particular that you worked? I made uh, Tommy Rich. Ah. I made uh, Tony Atlas. Oh yeah. I made a lot of guys. You understand? By letting them, sure. by letting them uh, pick me up, slamming mm-hmm. me because I never let too many people slam me. Sure. You see? Yeah. That was it. Now, when you, um, I got to imagine, like uh, you know, I'm I'm six foot seven. I'm two two eighty, and uh, you know, one of the things that that a lot of the guys told me was they said, you got to protect yourself because promoters are going to want to put, you know, uh, put these little guys over on you. 
and you got to protect your character. Did you feel a need to protect yourself? Were there promoters who were like, hey, Abdullah, we want you to put this guy over and you were oh, no. just like, no. No, because okay. they knew. Uh-huh. They knew that I was drawn and them money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You understand? Sure. And that's what's wrong with, the, I mean, today the guys are making big, 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 big money. But sure. the main part about it, a lot of guys who were going on TV in those days Job men were getting fifteen dollars mm-hmm, and ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you right. understand? Sure. I mean, the promoters made all the money. They mm-hmm. paid certain guys. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but the main part about it, a lot of guys. That's why a lot of guys out there who, who were great workers, right, mm-hmm. didn't make money. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are are broke, just like me. Yeah. Because that's why I tell them a lot of the, a lot of the kids stay in school, learn yeah. how to read. If you don't know how to read, you understand. Sure. The promoters will beat you in the long yeah. run. Right. Did you um, <clears throat> do you attribute that? I mean, I know that the payouts back when you were working. I mean, you're selling at arenas, but the payouts aren't the same as they are now. Um, what do, you, what do you attribute the, the financial issues to? Do you think it's just the payouts being low, or do you think it was not really understanding how to put money away? You're, what would you say is the reason why, you know, you mentioned you're, you're broke. Is there a reason for that? Do you think it's just not understanding, you know, the money, or, or what do you think it was? I couldn't read. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in those days, if I would have had uh, – a lawyer, mm-hmm. I'd be way up there. Sure. But for me, just I can't read. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to tell nobody that you couldn't read. Right. You understand? And that was it. Yeah. Well, you're pretty open about it now. I mean, back then, were you kind of, um, were you a little, was that something that you were worried I was about? I was, I, was, I was nervous. Yeah. How can you tell guys that you can't read? Yeah. Yeah. When I used to walk into a, a, a restaurant and they would say, uh, what, what would you like to have? And I'd go, uh, me, me, um, uh, egg, egg. The mm-hmm. lady said, oh, you want eggs? Uh, bake, bake, uh, bacon, mm-hmm. right? Toast. Sure, sure. That's the way, even when I went to the airport, I could, if they asked me where, where I was going, I, I'd always have a piece of paper um, going to Chicago or going to here or where that, I'd give it yeah. to the people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one time I went to the place at the, at the counter and I was going, uh, they said, where are you going? Uh, me, uh, me, uh, um, um, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Then I, I take the paper and, and put it. One day that the manager came down, hmm. he said, Abdullah, stop this shit, will you please? You can, <laughs> you can speak English, right? Yeah. And I told the guy, I says, yeah, but my score is no good. He said, oh, they, took, they took care of me. Got was, it. Yeah. yeah. Did you, were you afraid that, that any of the other workers would be, you know, would make funny or rib you about the fact that you couldn't read or, or did generally the people who you were close to wrestlers knew who, you know, knew that. Well, a lot of times they didn't know. Mm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Sure. They, because 
when it came time to read or something like that, you understand? Mm -hmm. I would, uh, if we were in a, in a restaurant or something like that, and uh, they'd be taking the orders, right? Right. Say, um, what are you eating? I said, oh, me, um, same. Yeah. I uh -huh. pointed out that that was it. Yeah. Wow. So, <clears throat> um, as far as the wrestling goes, is there a favorite promotion or territory that you liked working? Would I like to work? Let me tell you something. Stu Hart mm -hmm. was like a father to me. Oh, Stu yeah. Hart. And it's all of his. When I first went into Calgary, Alberta, Stu Hart says, uh, Ab, uh, I heard a lot of about you. He says, but uh, a lot of guys, they, they, they do this, they do that, but they're missing everything. I said, Stu, give me two weeks. If I don't do something, you don't have to pay me nothing. Hmm. He said, all right, Ab. I done, I stayed there for two weeks, done my stuff. Bam, 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 bam. Stu says, hey, you're a hell of a, you're a hell of a good bastard. You know how to work. And that was it. <laughs> nice. So, so you I, were, a, you were you a mainstay working up there then? Pardon? You were a mainstay working up there with him? Oh, yeah. Then uh, then uh, uh, the promoter from Australia called Stu Hart and said, we'd like to have Abdullah in Australia. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stu Hart says, look, this guy's drawing me a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You make sure that you send him back. Mm -hmm. And he came to me, he said, this Jim Barnett wants you in Australia. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, but do, promise me that you'll come back. And after I done my love stuff there, I came back to Stu Hart. That yeah. was it. So he was one of your favorites. What did you think about working WCW? Because you were there for a time. That was probably the biggest American promotion you'd worked at. What did WCW, you think about that? WCW, that was, uh, what, Puerto Rico, right? No, no, WCW is like Ric Flair, Sting, the TBS. It was on TV here in 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 America. That's where you did the Chamber of Horrors match and all yeah, that stuff yeah, with the yeah, Steiners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. When you when you worked for them, did they give you a contract or was it just a pay pay, pay per play deal where each show you got paid? That's the way we got beat. Mm. <laughs> you understand? Uh huh. There uh -huh. was no con there was no contract. You mm. understand? Yeah. If you went into the Omni, there was no contract. Mm. You see? Mm. But when I was selling out the places, if I would know if I would have known, you see? Sure. That I could hold the promoters up and say, hey, oh, no, 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 you got to pay me this, you got to pay. No, that was yeah. it. Yeah, I just didn't didn't know. Well, um, so uh, where were your, some of the more famous matches you had, one of the biggest feuds that you had was against Bruiser Brody, and we talked a little bit about him earlier. Where did most of those matches happen? Were they in Japan or elsewhere? No, they, we wrestled in uh, Puerto Rico. Me and uh, Bruiser Brody, I wrestled in uh, uh, Texas with him. Mm -hmm. I wrestled uh, Brody with, uh, um, with uh, what's his name, uh, Fritz von Erich uh, in his mm -hmm. territory. Mm -hmm. I wrestled Brody. Every place me and Brody won, we drew the houses. The people went crazy. 
because Brody was crazy. I was crazy. And the people knew that when these two get together, somebody's going to die. Yeah. And that was it. See? One of the things that's so, so, so noticeable about you, I mean, you can see it on the video here, is the scars on your head yes. from all the from all the bleeding. And, you know, I recently heard a podcast with, uh, I think it was Ric Flair, I'm not sure, but he was. they were saying, hey, you don't have scars even though you were bleeding every night. And he said he thought it was because he would he would cut himself from this on the side, whereas other guys like you and Dusty Rhodes would cut down. Is there a reason why you you would do the down the down cut versus the side? Is it just that was better for you? Because for my you? hands were faster. Ah, uh huh. You see, if I done something, if I done something, and the guy hit me in the head, I go ooh. Hmm. You see, mm-hmm. my yeah. hands were fast. I got it. Okay. See? Yeah. Some guys would go like this. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. But but when I I could stand up and do it and you never know that I was doing it. Sure. See? Yeah. There's some guys out there you can watch if you know what you're looking for, you can see that they're what they're doing. But you I, I never noticed it when I would watch your matches. You just all of a sudden would come up and start bleeding. Was there a point because I mean you have a lot of you had a lot of scar tissue on your head. Was there a point where you didn't even have to cut anymore if someone just oh, no. hit all, it good enough? All the time. Oh yeah. I how love- often how often were you were you bleeding? Were you every night or was it Yeah. Oh, special? Wow. Yeah. Sometimes I would uh the ring post, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the people say, Look at them, right? Yeah. And uh, it'll pop open, boom, right? Yeah. I'd be behind, right. or I'd grab a chair. He's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. Did you ever make it out to California to work what for, ter- like, big-time wrestling back in the 70s and 80s or anything like that? What territory ever- was that? Who, who's a promoter? It was Roy Shire. Yes, I did. Okay. I went- yep. Yeah. I wrestled what- up there, Roy Shire. Yeah, yep. yeah. and uh, so – because I'm I'm in Sacramento and I know my dad used to tell me about times where he would go to the Memorial Auditorium here in Sacramento or the Cow Palace in San Francisco and see big time wrestling and saw a lot of guys out here. Did you ever work a guy like Ray Stevens or Pat Patterson or any of those guys? Pat Patterson, I I wrestled uh, I think I wrestled I think Bill Bill Miller. Okay. You remember uh, Bill Miller? No, I've never heard of Bill Miller. Well, they were there were two partners. Okay. Um, I can't think of it. It's been so long. Okay. But um, the guy seen me working, and he, and he, we went outside, and he said, "You're an entertainer. You know mm-hmm. how to work. Don't do nothing for nobody on on these TVs. Mm-hmm. Don't go down for nobody." That yeah. was it. Nice. Yeah, that seemed to be uh, what was was going on for you most of the time, and that that people didn't want you going down because then when you do, it's special. You know that that was the thing about about you. I don't even remember anybody ever putting you off your feet. I mean, the closest thing I'd seen was that Chamber of Horrors match where they flipped you over and you got electrocuted. But other than that, I'd never see I'd never seen anybody pin you. you I'll tell you, there was a lot of. When I came out of, out of the electric chair, people was calling because they thought it was real. <laughs> they thought it was real. 
right? They yeah. would they'd be calling, is he dead? Is he dead? Yeah. Because the way I done it in the electric chair, it looked like that I was being executed. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, I, one of the guys that struck me, he's a little different than you, but there was always a, Kamala was one. That, Kamala, uh, was, Kamala was a great, great wrestler, Kamala. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. He was good. He was different. Yeah. Did you ever work a, work him at all? Come on, no, I don't think so. No. Oh, that would have that would have been a great one to watch Work you guys out. go at it. That'd have been fun. So tell me, give me a story. What's what's one of your favorite stories from the road? Pardon? What's one of your favorite stories from the road? All the wrestlers I've talked to have great stories from the road. What's one that that you can remember that you can share with listeners? You mean of the wrestlers or? Yeah, just something a, a funny rib or. Or something that that happened that you find to be be fun, anything like well, that. Well, all the ribs came from Calgary, Alberta. That's oh, where yeah. all the ribs came from. Oh yeah. They would set you know set some of the guys up and say, "Hey, um, this girl really likes you. She's waiting for you, right?" Uh huh. And you jump up there and knock on the door. And bam, 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 bam. Somebody said, oh, is it? Right? They uh -huh. said, oh, just a minute. And the guy would open up the door with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, there were so many gimmicks, plants in Stu Hart's territory that you'd shake a stick at. Archie Goldie. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hear of Archie Goldie? I've heard of him, yeah. Archie Goldie was a great worker. But, uh, and then they'd always tell you, go to Stu's dungeon. He had a, mm -hmm. a dungeon where he would take you downstairs, right, and teach you. Right. And at sure. the same time, he'd get you in a hold. He'd say, give up, give up, you son of a bitch. And he'd be choking. <laughs> give up, give up. The guy'd be like, sir, oh, Stu, give up, holler. Right? Yeah. And the guy... And when Stu would let him go, he would run out the damn door. Right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, that's funny. You you know, one of the things that I always thought, and I wished I could have come to Georgia and seen it, was you opened up uh, a barbecue restaurant. And uh, what 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 spawned that? Was there, did you just always enjoy barbecue? Or was it just putting your name to it? How did that come about? No, my thing was... I was driving down the street and I looked at this empty building. I said, that would make a good restaurant. But I had crooks working for me. Uh, Thieves, my mm, brother-in-law, mm, they were stealing from mm, me. I see. You understand? That's why I say, if you, if you, Put people in charge of your stuff when you're on the road yeah. and they're stealing from you. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's, and that's a story that unfortunately happens way too much. I mean, yeah. whether, whether it's in wrestling or whether it's, you know, music or anything like that, you get your, you know, you, you start making some money, you try to help a friend out, a friend takes advantage of you, family takes advantage of you. One time I, I, I was in Boston and uh, what was that? Uh, there was a, uh, a guy 
I can't think of his name. Jack Pfeffer. Jack mm -hmm. Pfeffer. Mm -hmm. And he, he was in, in Boston. And I was waiting for the building to open up. This is in, in the afternoon. And uh, he came up to me and he says, um, I am the great Jack Pfeffer. I said, He said, You dumb son of a bitch. You don't know who I am, right? <laughs> so when, so when, uh, when they opened up the office, Rod Fenton, not Rod Fenton, uh, anyways, uh, the guy says, um, Abdullah, this is the, the great Jack Pepper, right? <laughs> I didn't know Jack Pepper, but uh -huh. he was the one who took a lot of the wrestlers and and made names like um, like Bobo Brazil. Mm. But he would give somebody else a name, Hobo Brazil, <laughs> or... Uh, or uh, Valentine or Valentino. Uh, yeah. And uh, Valentine, I wrestled him many times. He was a great worker. And his son was a great worker. Uh -huh. Which which one are you talking about? Greg Valentine or Johnny Gre Valentine? Greg, Greg Valentine. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's a good one. I've met him a couple of times. A really, really interesting guy and a great worker. Yes, great, Did great, great, great. Yeah. Did um how did you get the name Abdullah the Butcher? Well, when I first when I um, Jack Britton said Abdullah, I'm gonna we got to get you another name. He says we're gonna make you uh, the great Zila Samara. Hmm. He said there was another guy, a black guy. We made him the great Zila Samara, and he had this here cap on his head with a, with a, 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 a with a dress, another dress, um, like it seemed like you were selling the ice cream or something, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the great Zila Samara. So after that, when I went to Vancouver, um. Um, Harry Ayed, who was in Seattle, Washington, and Rod Fenton, they were partners from Vancouver mm -hmm. to Thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was wrestling somebody, and uh, they got up there and they, I tore the house down. I pretty near mm -hmm. called the riot. I, I was chopping the guy, bam, bam, I hit him in the throat, stabbing him, stuff like that. The people started coming. So, anyways, when I go back to, um, uh, Vancouver, Rod Fenton says, and my uh, partner, Harry Ayat, called me up and says, this guy's a natural. He's, um, he's a natural, plus he, we could do good business with him. Hmm. But at that time, um, Jerry, uh, Jerry Graham, remember the big, sure, Dr. Yeah. Jerry Graham? Sure. He, he was supposed to bring me down there, right? Mm -hmm. So Thing says, I'm going to make I'm going to make him your manager. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, 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 no. George Cannon. You ever hear of George Cannon? Crybaby yeah. Cannon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's going to make me uh, he's going to be my manager. I said, no, no. He said, no, no, no. I don't want him. You understand? Because 
we didn't know that you were coming, that he was driving you down here hmm. to, to uh, wrestle in Seattle. He told the promoter that you were a good job man, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when they asked me to do the job, I said, you mean that they're bringing me all the way down here to do a job? So anyways, they got up there and they, they done the thing. And I got in the ring and they they asked me, would you put this guy over? I said, yeah, okay, no problem. Was that, you ever hear of Don Leo Jonathan? Big Don Leo John, Jonathan. Okay, okay. Okay, uh -huh. I got in the ring with him. Bam, I'm doing the stuff. And I'm pretty near caused the riot. Harry Agat comes running down the ring. Tell Abdullah, take the fall. Take it, take it, take it. Right? <laughs> right. So I got up there. I got the, I got the queue. The people went crazy for at a riot. And then that's when I went to, went back and Brad Pitt and says, Crybaby Cannon is going to be, uh, Jerry Graham is going to be your manager, but we got to get you another name. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And when he mm -hmm. got done with that, he says, now down here, there's a lot of Indians, right? Mm -hmm. From mm -hmm. Sudan, cartoon Sudan. Sure. So we're going to say, Abdullah, Abdullah. My partner said, you wrestle like a butcher. Yeah. Abdullah the butcher. And that's where I got that name from. And then they started calling you the madman from Sudan. Right. Mm -hmm. Then they said, they said, where are you from? I said, me, me. Um, cartoon Sudan where the Blue Nile meets. I never seen any damn Blue Nile in my life, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, after I've been in the business a while, um, then I started saying, they said, where are you from? I said, uh, me, cart me, me, uh, cartoon Sudan where the Blue Nile meets Winter, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's then awesome. I'm using that Winter, Ontario. Nice. That's but awesome. I always put in there Abdullah the Butcher from Sudan, Winter, Ontario. Nice. You know, I, okay, so we're, we're coming up. You, you gave me, you, you were gracious enough to give me an hour, and I appreciate it. And I wanted to ask you a couple of questions I ask everybody on these podcasts. I can't hear you. you. There's a couple of questions I want to ask you that I ask everyone on these podcasts, and they're kind of rhetorical questions. The first one being, what do you think is your biggest success in life? I can't hear you. What would you say is your biggest success in life? My biggest success. success. Yeah. Well, my biggest thing that I was, I was a great entertainer. But I got shafted on the money, you understand? Yeah. Um, and um, I'm 72 years old now. And I mean, excuse me, please, excuse me. <laughs> I'm jumping back 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. You can pass for 72, it's okay. You yeah. can pass for 72. So anyways, um, I'm um, 82 and I never, and this is the, I never told my mother or my father that I loved them, right? Mm, mm. But now, since that they're gone, mm -hmm. in my room, I have a picture of my dad 
and my mother. Mm-hmm. And I look up there and I sometimes I break down and say, Mom, Dad, I know I give you everything, but I never told you I love you. But yeah. now I tell you every, every night that I love you, I wish you were here because my dad used to say, if you go out there and you can't make it, you can always come home. Yeah. Wow. And I never, as long as I live, I never forget that. Yeah. I'm sure that meant a lot That's to you. It. That's awesome. What, yeah. you know, here's another question I have for you as we're wrapping this up. You know, um, you're 82. You could pass for 62, quite frankly. You look great. Thank you. you. Great. But uh, at some point, you know, there's gonna, you're going to pass away and there's going to be a funeral. What? Someday you're going to pass away. Oh, no, right? no, no. <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to pass away until Mrs. Malika teaches me how to read. Yeah. Oh, you, you're learning. You're learning now. Yeah, I'm learning. You understand? Yeah. Right, those are the and, and a lot of things, certain things, I can still open these things up, and a lot of the words, I, I, I can't read. Mm-hmm. And you can ask, you can have me on, have me in a place to say you're going to give me a million dollars, if you could spell this certain word, mm-hmm. I couldn't spell it. Mm-hmm. You understand? Sure. And that's on my mother and my father. Even from this day, I can't read. Yeah. But when the when the people used to come to me for my autograph, mm-hmm. I go yaka right? Sure. Because at that time, I didn't know how to write. Abdullah the butcher. Uh-huh. It took me so long to learn how to write. Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. Then I wow. started signing my name, Abdullah the Butcher. Nice. You understand? Well, yeah, and I'm sure you're doing a lot of that now. I know you go you go on WrestleCon circuits and, and go to wrestling yeah. conventions and stuff. And, and a lot of times, and I, I'm not saying this to be saying it, if it wasn't for this lady, Mrs. Malika, mm-hmm. she does a lot of things for me. She mm-hmm. gets she gets all my all my fans, mm-hmm. she types everything down. She gets yeah. all my contracts because I couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. I could not do it. You understand? Wow. And, and that's why a lot of people talk a lot of, excuse me, a lot of shit. But mm-hmm. if it wasn't for this lady here, you understand? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be on, on, on this uh, uh, TV now. I wouldn't be on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, and I got to tell you as somebody who's dealt with her, you know, and setting this up because, you know, I called and she answered and I spoke with you and her, she's been nothing but great. I mean, if anybody ever calls to try to try to book you or or book you for an invention or a podcast, I mean, the the experience was really good. I mean, it was really, it was really easy. We had, uh, you know, easy to work with. She sticks up for me a hundred percent. Yeah. She takes me down to the courthouse, yeah, to find out certain papers, right? Sure, sure. Because I could never go down there and say, uh, um, "This house or that." No, because I couldn't, I couldn't read the name. Sure, yeah. It took it took me when I bought this house here. It took me about a good five months or six months to learn. I used to. 
have a taxi driver to drive me out to the house. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they say, where you live? I say, oh, go this way, that way. But now I say, um, I read, I can spell 13, 10, well, right? You see? Okay, but the, but the main part about it, I can do certain things. You understand what I couldn't do before? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and if it wasn't for her, everybody else ripped me off. But if it wasn't for her, she she goes to the bank for me. She yeah. she does a lot. The ATM. I yeah. mean the, the the ATM. Yeah. I don't even know how to work that. Yeah. Well, See? that's awesome. I'm glad you have somebody in your life to help you with that. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, you know, it's it's been an honor. We, we're at the hour. I want to respect your time. You, gave, you said you'd give me an hour. When you give most people, you don't give them that much time. So I really appreciate it. You, you, I hope you understand. I'm sure there's a lot of people just like me. You know, I would say that um, my childhood uh, was good. I had good parents, but there were real rough times. I won't go into it all in this, um, but... Uh, and wrestling was something that I was able to watch that kind of took that away, you know, took the trouble stuff away. I could kind of forget about it. My dad and my, my aunt and different people took me to wrestling events all the time as a way to kind of escape that. And you were a big part of that. You know, you, you were somebody who I very much remember. Thank you. And um, so I hope you understand that at this point in your life, I know, you know, you're 82 I hope you understand that there's a lot of people out there that you've really affected for the good. And, and, uh, it means a lot. And, uh, it means a lot to me that you were willing to come on my little podcast and indulge me, um, in, in kind of going down a trip and down memory lane with you. And certainly, you know, I'm going to keep your contact information. Let's have you back. Hopefully we, you know, your legal troubles yes. Will, yes. will go away. And when they do, we can have, have you on again and talk more. And, um, yes. and, uh, and so thank you. And of course, for everybody. Excuse me for a minute, sir. Excuse me. Yeah. It's people like you and my fans who made Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. I didn't just make myself. It was the fans out there, people like you, you understand, mm-hmm. who built me up, who put me on their, on their TV. Mm-hmm. But the main part about it, and uh, I don't want you to get pissed off at me, but... Um, can you send me the the balance of the ten thousand dollars? <laughs> yes. Well, well, well. You know, yeah. I, I. Uh, you I can't talk. Much, you can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> you can't well, talk. I I very much appreciate you. You know, it's it's been good to get to know you. No, I, yeah, I know you're messing with me, and I, I appreciate that. No, I. You, yeah, I. I, I got to tell you though, and I mean that this. Uh, as an attorney, you know, I we, I told you, I promised you we wouldn't go into your legal issues on the on the podcast, and we won't. But thank you. I very much, uh, as an attorney, hearing you know, we had an offline conversation about kind of what you were going through, and and uh, it's it's not, it's yeah, it, it's it's a struggle. You know, it was a struggle, and you definitely need representation. So I just say that, just so that way people who know, we've been I've been as we've been talking, flashing the GoFundMe on here. It'll be in the it'll be in the um uh it'll be on the in the tagline and the description of all on all my different social medias and stuff like that so that people know where they can go to help because it's it's definitely something 
Uh, as an attorney, I can tell you, I've seen people walk into uh, into court and try to represent themselves without representation because they're in the same situation that you are, and you. it never goes well. And right. so um, for people out there, if you have some, some money you want to donate to a cause, especially the fans who are listening, uh, Abdullah the Butcher gave us his entire life uh entertaining us the least we could do is, is throw some uh, throw some money your way to help you with in your time of need so plus plus i want to say one thing can you say something to mrs malika by helping me out please no that's all right i don't need that can you say yeah. something no just, just say something for her no i don't need that she don't well, need I, that. yeah well i can just tell you miss malika has been i, I she I've 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 dealt I've I've been I, I'll say this I've promoted uh, wrestling matches before, and I've I've worked with a lot of names, you know, out there of your time frame and and uh, later, and I can tell you that dealing with Miss Malika was absolutely one hundred percent one of the better experiences I've had dealing with anybody who who uh, who worked in wrestling as a as someone who's wrestled and also promoted. You know, when we talked, I could tell you, you're old school, like you dealt with promoters before. I could tell because you're like, I don't know who this guy is and I'm going to be real careful with them. And, and I know that you've dealt with that a lot. Right. But on the other side, I dealt with that, too. It, you know, there's there's a lot of guys out there where if you threw some money their way before they actually got on the plane, they wouldn't end up on the plane. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And uh, and so uh, but Malika was was so good about everything. And just we came up to an agreement to make this work. And everybody held their side, and she was very helpful. I know we had some technical difficulties figuring out how to get you on on here <laughs> for right. a minute, and she was able to work through it with me. And so, man, you know, it's been a great experience. Uh, and so, if there's anybody out there who's looking to to book Abdullah to come on a on a podcast or even to uh, have him you. come out for a signing, you know, it's, you. it's a it's a very good experience. And you're a man of your word, and I appreciate that. So. Okay, so this is the, the end. I'll just say, if you if you made it this Thank far, you. subscribe. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, and to to all my fans, thank you for coming on your show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and make sure that you take care of your mother and father. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, and we'll uh, we'll see you all again soon. Thank you.